each time he told these folks the same thing, which was follow me, it was in a different time in their life, different time in their walk, and different things seemed to be expected. Would you turn over in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1? Now we're going to have a couple of choices here. You can read in your Bible, read on your phone, look up on the screen, whichever one is better for you, but the verses will come up there on the screen so that you can, you can see them up there. In Mark chapter 1, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. I will make you become fishers of men. He said, follow me. This is the call he puts out there to him. He walks on by. He says, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. This is the initial call. This is the initial interaction that he had with with these, these two, Simon and Andrew. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went with him. Now we're also going to see that in Luke chapter 5, verse 27 and 28, after these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. In John chapter 1, verse 43, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now in John's gospel, it doesn't say that Philip left anything in particular, but since the other ones did, and since he followed him, more than likely he had to Leave something behind. Now put this into perspective. How many of you can think of a time when you left something? When you were, you're going after, if you were following your education, you had to at some point leave high school to go after the college or the university or wherever it is. You had to leave middle school in order to follow your education and go over to, to the high, to the high school. You had to leave a place of employment in order to follow bettering yourself, getting a better job, and going to a new place. Whenever there is a following to go to something that you are being led to, there is a leaving. And so here in this story, these, these three episodes we looked at, there was a command, follow me. Actually, just a request, an opportunity. Follow me. And they took it, but they had to leave something behind. Something had to get Get left. When there is a call to follow, there is a companion call to leave something. Now, not all people will follow. Not everybody that Jesus gave the call to to follow would follow. Some of them decided to stay with what they had. Just like you could do the same thing. If you had a call from an employer, he said, hey, come over here and help us over here, and you looked at the circumstances, and you say, I don't like that particular job, I don't like something about that, I don't like the distance, I don't like the commute, I don't like the boss, I don't like the people I'd be working with, whatever it might be, and you decide not to leave where you are in order to follow after that. That would be a choice that you would make. Some people decided not to leave what they had in order to follow after this. Now, Peter, Andrew... James, John, they could have decided not to leave the boats. They could have decided not to leave the business. But they decided we're going to go ahead and we're going to go. Now, 
Uh, I am not, I've, I've talked to you about this before, I am not a fan of The Chosen anymore. I think you all know that. I think I've talked about it a few times. I liked it in the first season. I was questioning things on the second season, and then they lost me. I don't care what they put on there. <laughs> but I liked it in the first season where they were building up some of the things that were going on with the fishermen and the kind of business they had and the kind of lives that they probably had, and you get a feel of, of, uh, of what's going on with that. If you still want to watch The Chosen, you can still come into church. That's fine. You can even tell me about it. I, I, I don't much care about it anymore. They have left Scripture. They are not staying true to what the Word of God says. I don't care about the stuff they do in the middle. You want to build a story, and that's all fine. But when you leave Scripture, when you pervert the miracles, you lost me. So I'm not a fan of The Chosen anymore. I don't watch it. Um, I, I know I recommended it to you way back in season one. I don't recommend it anymore. But if you want to watch it, be careful because you will get the wrong idea of some of the things that happened in the Scriptures. But anyway. Now, Matthew could have decided to stay with the tax business. For Matthew, in order for him to leave the tax business, you've got to understand what this, this guy went through. He has probably the only job he could have. No one likes him because he took the tax job. So for him to leave the tax office means I have no employment now. I'm just following Jesus. If this doesn't work out with Jesus, where do I go? No one wants to hire him. No one cares that he succeeds. This was a tough thing for Matthew to do. When Jesus said, follow me, Matthew has to have this going through. He's a numbers guy. He's, he, he, he works not, he has to have an understanding. How am I going to make a living? How are things going to, to go on? How are things going to happen here? Now we don't know what Phil had left behind, but probably he left something. This is the beginning of their journey. This is the beginning of their journey with Jesus. Jesus Jesus promised that he would make something of them. Though that hasn't happened yet. He's he's this is the start. The journey to do that involved a separation. They had to separate themselves from their other lives. Jesus said, follow me. You can't stay attached to that right now and follow me. When we get a call from Jesus, and we've all had a call from Jesus to follow him. There's not a single person in this world that has not had that call, follow me. Different people respond to it different ways, but there is a separation when we get that call. If we're going to make that journey, if we're going to go that way with him. The beginning of our road is not the same as the middle or the end. This is the beginning of the road. This is the beginning of them understanding Jesus. You, you'll know it yourself. When you first got born again, when you first got saved, how many remember things were a little bit easier? There weren't quite the battles that you were going through. wasn't quite all the sacrifice. It, it just was easier in the beginning. If you'll turn over to John chapter 6, verse 60, as we follow this, this uh, statement out, follow me. As we follow Jesus, just as they were doing, we'll come to some times that will change in our journey. You're going to see some challenges. Some of those challenges may alter your commitment. They may alter your path. They also may alter your will to continue. We're going to see some things that happen throughout the Gospels 
that altered the will of some people to continue. In John chapter 6, verse 60, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. This is when Jesus was teaching them. I'm not going to go through the whole teaching. But this is when Jesus was teaching them, You must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And they said, Oh, this is too much for us. We don't. No, we're not staying here with this. That came right after the feeding of the 5,000, which we uh, looked at this not too long ago. This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? Now, he's not talking about the 12. He's talking about the big group of people that are following him. What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said said to you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by my Father. Does that mean that only some can get saved? Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. Does that mean that God is picking and choosing? Well, let's see. I'm not going to grant it to you, but I'll grant it to you. I'm not going to grant it to you, but I'll grant it to you. No, he'll grant it to anyone to ask him. The Word of God says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. If you don't have wisdom, you don't have it because you didn't ask. If you don't have this, it's because you didn't ask. If you don't have that, if he has not granted anything to you, it's because you didn't ask. Because you've closed your heart and said, I don't want to follow after God. I don't want to follow after Jesus. If you close your heart to that, then that's not going to be granted. But if you look to God, if you look to Jesus and say, I want to follow. I want to go in that direction. I want to receive that. He'll grant it to you. He'll grant it to you. Doesn't mean that only son can be saved. As many people as want to be saved can be saved. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. These were disciples. These are not the twelve. These are the other ones. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? So this caused some people who answered a call, Follow me. They answered that call, Follow me. But they decided, No, it's too tough. You will find sometimes in our Christian walk that we decided in the beginning, Oh, we got excited. Oh, I like the idea of being born again. I like the idea of not going to hell. That excites me. I like that idea. I like the idea of going to heaven. This is better. But then as we're going along that way, we find out things are a little bit tough. I don't like giving up stuff. I don't like people picking on me because of my beliefs. It gets a little tough on this. And so we decide, no, I'm not going to go this way anymore. And we turn back. This is what happened here. This is all, all fun and games. This is all great. People get healed. We get learned. Or taught some things. We learn some things. And then he feeds us. This is great. We like this. Uh, but that teaching, I'm not quite sure, sure, sure about that. So he says to them, do you want to stop following me too? Do you want to stop yielding to what started it all? That's what he's basically asking them. Do you want to stop yielding to that call that started this whole thing off? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, Peter doesn't understand what Jesus has just taught them any more than the rest of the people. We didn't go over the teaching right now because we're just looking at the call. Follow me. But he gave some stuff that was pretty tough to understand. 
Peter doesn't understand it any more than anybody else does. But he says, I'm not leaving. I'll stay here until I find out what that means. Because no one else has the words of life. So though you have taught me some things, though you have said some things that challenge me, that cause me to scratch my head and say, I'm not, I'm not so sure. How is this going to go? How does this happen? I'm not quite sure how this is going to be. I'm not leaving. I'm staying right here because this is where I'm going to get it figured out. And besides that, we decided that you're the Messiah. So where else are we going to go? Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Well, John, in John chapter 13, we're going to start at verse 31. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. Now watch what he teaches them here. We just looked at this not too long ago, but we're going to look at it for another purpose. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now here's the guy who just said to you, when you started and you left everything, follow me. So what are you doing? I'm following you. Now now put yourself in this position. You get somebody in front of you. He says, follow me. Let's put it into, into this way. You're going someplace you've never been before. It's about a 30, 40 minute drive. You've never been there. There's a lot of turns. And so, this is before the days of GPS. Now you just punch it in your phone and you follow your phone. But how many remember back the days when you had to follow somebody? And, and they say, look, just get behind me and follow me. And so you get behind that car and you follow them. And you are locked on. You are locked on. this. I cannot let separation happen between me and this car because I don't know where I'm going. And then a light comes up. And that light starts to turn yellow on them. And it's almost red by the time you get there. What do you do? You floor it. Right? You floor it. You hit that gas pedal and you get going. Because it is more consequential if I lose sight of them than whatever else might happen. I'm going. I'm making the commitment. You're kind of just watching them. Are they going through? If they're going through, I have to go through. If they stop, I'll stop. But if they go through, I have to go through. i got to follow them. And so you're doing this for 30 or 40 minutes. You are not letting any separation happen between you and them. And then all of a sudden, they send you a message. And say, where I'm going, you can't follow. Maybe you have a different kind of a car. Maybe you're on one of those highways and only electric cars can be on that one or something, some kind of crazy thing like that. And you got one of them gas guzzlers. I have a gas guzzler. My car eats more gas than your does. I guarantee it. Because <laughs> I have a truck. And so if you get on that and they, they say, where I'm going, you can't follow. What are you thinking? I'm in trouble. 
I'm stuck where I don't know where I am. I can't go back because I don't know how to get there. And you're telling me I can't go forward? I can't follow you anymore? Why didn't you tell me this before? Why didn't you tell me this is the beginning that there's a spot that I can't follow you on? Now see, that'll get you into the perspective of where the disciples are. When Jesus says to him, where I'm going, you cannot follow. Wait a minute, you told me to follow you. You called me. You told me to leave my nets. You told me to leave my business. You told me to leave my house. You told me to leave my job. I was a tax collector. I had a decent job. I could make a living. And now you're telling me, where you go, I can go. This would cause you some stress. This would be a problem. This is what the disciples are going through. They don't understand this. We have stuck with you all this time. We have stayed with it. And now you're telling us we can't follow you. You still, we still have that command. Follow me. I want to follow you. I want to go wherever you go. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. What do you mean a little while longer? We're in this for the long haul. I'll be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So you're going to look for me, but you won't find me. I'm telling you about it right now. You're going to look for me, but you can't find me. How are we supposed to follow you if we can't find you? Where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. What command did he give them before? Follow him. What commands he given them now? Love one another. Do you know that when you follow the command of the word of God to love one another, you are following the same thing the disciples did? When they followed him, they picked up, all right, you have followed me now. Love one another. Because you see, if you love the way that Jesus loved, you will follow in Jesus' path. You will go in Jesus' way. If you do that. So he says, the new commandment I give you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. A few weeks ago, we looked at that idea of servant, friend, and disciple. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How do you know if you're saved? By the way that you love people. This does not mean grit your teeth and bear it love. That's flesh love. That's not following after God. Some people have more endurance than that than others. But if you are in your grit your teeth and bear it love, you're going to wear yourself out. That's not the way Jesus loved them. It's a different way of loving. It's when you get born again, the love of God gets poured out into you. You have His love on the inside of you. Now you just got to learn how to let it out. That same love helps you love your kids. Helps you love your spouse. Helps you love your family. Helps you love your friends. Helps you love your co-workers. Helps you love your neighbors. Oh, you don't know my neighbor. It don't matter. It'll help you love them. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? How many of you would have asked Jesus that same question? If he said, follow me, you're following him. Then he says, where I'm going, you can't go. How many of you are saying, where are you going? Didn't Jesus just say, 
where I'm going, you can't go? That's okay. I want to know where you're going anyway. Where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now. But you shall follow me afterward. So, think about this the way the disciples are. All right. We're following you. You're telling me we can't follow you because you're going away. But then we will follow you where you're going. But we don't know where it is. And we won't know how to get there because we can't follow you. How many of you are confused? Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? How many of you want to follow? If you were Peter, wouldn't you want to follow him right now? I don't want to follow you down the road. I want to follow you now. I want to see where you're going. I want to be there. I signed on to follow you. I want to see this thing through. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Now, you've heard him say this before. You know what's coming next. But now it gives you a little bit more of an understanding. This is the mentality that's inside Peter. He's feeling threatened on a level. I've been wanting to follow him. I have been following him. I have left. I have separated. Now I can't? He says, look, I'll lay down my life. Because right now, my life isn't worth a whole lot. I'll lay it down gladly. I've given up everything. I don't want to have to go back and try and rebuild all this stuff. I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Question mark. Will you do that? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. That's the context for which Jesus told him this. Will you lay down your life for my sake? Do you think you're going to go that far? Do you think you're willing to, to, to go in that direction? I'm going to tell you right now. It's coming. We're not there yet, but it's coming. You're going to deny you even know me. What? There's no way. So the call was to follow me, and that call was for now. And now he says, you won't be able to do it. Now, as you follow the call of Jesus, there will be things that happen that will be confusing. There will be things that happen. How many in your walk with Jesus Christ have had things happen in your life that caused you confusion? Why did this happen? Why did this go on? We ask the question, why did God allow this? Now, there will be some crazy people out there that will teach you stuff and give you an answer to try and help with the confusion. It will only add to the confusion. Because they're going to teach you about things about God that is not right. But there are things that will happen in our life, in our Christian walk, that go beyond our understanding. That doesn't mean you miss God. It doesn't mean because life has happened and something has gone on that has gone beyond your understanding that you were in the wrong place. It doesn't mean that you even missed it. Peter and the twelve are in the right place. But they do not understand what is going on. They are confused. Many times we've seen Christians. They have something that happens in their life. A child dies. A relative passes away. An accident happens. A job is lost. A sickness affects a family. All these kind of things can go on. And when they come in, we wonder, why did that happen? And it causes confusion. God, I thought I was following you. I thought I was doing what you wanted me to do. And then 
this happened. And then those preachers who get up and say, well, God needed that child more than you did. Hogwash. That is a lie from the pit of hell. God does not take children because he needs them. The only way that you can do good for the kingdom is down here on earth. Why in the world is he going to take you out of this, this world? you got to be down here on the earth to have an effect upon this earth. He's not taking you out. But you see, that's an explanation we can throw out and try and calm some things. It doesn't help. It causes more confusion. The Word of God has all the answers that we need. And we're not going to try and take time. We've answered a lot of those questions along the, the years that we've been here with this. And uh, we'll keep on going and looking to answer some questions. But there are better answers in the Word than, of course, there's that one. Well, God's ways are just higher than our ways. We just can't know what the will of the Lord is. Oh my, let me, let me read something for you. I, I wrote something down in my outline. I had to skip ahead here to get this for you. Because sometimes you don't always get to see this. How many read the quote today? Alright, I thought I would bring something along for you. And this is the rejected quote. You don't know how many quotes I reject. They never see the light of day. I read them and I say, what? And we just keep on going on. But see, a lot of times I'm looking for a specific quote along a certain line. So I particularly looked for things along the New Year's-like type of a quote. And so I was looking around some things. Now, some I'm going to read you two. Two. And now, one of them, Oswald Chambers. I enjoy Oswald Chambers, but I don't know where he was doing this with this one. But here's one from John, John Piper. How many know John Piper? That's what I thought. Not too many people. How many people do know John Piper? All right, yeah. He's not, he's not somebody that too many people in our circles would read it, read about. But I know who he is. Listen to this. See if you hear it. Be gutsy. Hold on to that grace. Say to the devil, don't you dare rejoice over me. I'm coming out into the light. How many like it? You're afraid to say yes, aren't you? <laughs> Just a minute. You're afraid to say yes. All right. Here we go. It's okay so far. But then... Sooner or later, God will hear my cry and I will walk out of this darkness. What? Sooner or later, God will hear my cry and I'll walk out of this darkness? Are you kidding me? All right, here's Oswald Chambers. I like Oswald Chambers. I've used many a quote from Oswald Chambers. Faith never knows where it is being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. Faith never knows where it's being led? Is that biblical? No, I know there are times that faith leads us and we're not exactly sure where it's going. That's not all the time. Faith never knows where it is being led. Now, see, you can just change that a little bit and say, faith sometimes doesn't know where it's being led. And that would be all right. Faith never knows? What about Abraham? Did Abraham know where he was being led? Yes, God told him, look, I'm going to take you to a promised land. I'm going to take you to a land. Just follow. I'm going to take you to land. He didn't know what land it was, but he knew He knew what to do. Moses, did Moses know where he's going? Yeah, he didn't like it. He's going back to Egypt. He didn't like it. Did Joshua know where he was leading, be, being led to? He's going to be leading the people into the promised land. He knew it. He knew it. Did David know... Where God was leading him. Yes, he did. You can keep on going with people like this. 
There's a whole lot of people in the Bible that God said, this is where I'm taking you. They knew exactly where they were going. There are other people. All right, I'm not going to quite tell you where we're going just yet. Be careful of quotes. Just because somebody, just because it's a quote doesn't mean you should just swallow it all. Check it out. Listen to it. So anyway, that was uh, rejected quotes. Sometimes we get some of those. Which verse did I leave off of? Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Let me tell you a little bit about what's going on down here. I don't know that Jesus would have told him this if he hadn't asked the question. But he asked the question, so Jesus told it to him. What would have happened if John said the same thing? What would have happened if Andrew said the same thing? Would he have said something about their future? What they would have done? But Peter was the one who said it. I think after Peter said that, that and Jesus answered him, I think if you were Andrew, Andrew was saying, I'm not saying nothing. Mm-mm. No. People are going to try and give you explanations for things that are happening in your life. But if it's human, natural understanding, it will bring more confusion. It will not help your faith. If you accept these things, this is just going to be something more that you're going to have to leave behind. Something more that's going to hold you back. There's a whole lot of people that are held back from following after God because they think wrong things about Him. They had to get those things out of their way. John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This verse is very true for today. How many people will go out there and they believe in God? But they don't believe in Jesus. I believe in God, but I don't believe Jesus is the only way. I believe in God, but I think you can get to God any way that you want. I think as long as you believe it and you stay with it, that you can get to God. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, you want to understand this, let not your heart be troubled. You go to a, you go to a hospital and somebody on a deathbed. They're dying. When they believe in God, and they also believe in Jesus, they're, glory to God, I'm getting ready to go. See Jesus. They're happy. They're not troubled at all. But you find somebody who doesn't have that same belief, they're scared. They're afraid. They're troubled. But you see, when you believe in God and you believe in Jesus and you know what Jesus has taught and Jesus has prepared the way and Jesus has prepared a place, this is all right. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So say, you will come, just not yet. And where I go, you know. And the way you know. Now wait a minute. Hold on a minute here. You just told me, I can't know these things. Now now you're telling me, I, I don't understand. I'm confused even more. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. He is the only way. There is no other way to get to God. God 
if, if God is God, he makes up his own rules. Right? He doesn't follow my rules. God follows his rules. He does. But not, how many, how many football fans do we have here? Nobody. You're all afraid to be football fans. I am not a football fan. My hand was up, but I don't really watch football. Used to. If you invented the game of football, then you make up the rules, right? And if you don't like a rule, then you change the rule. I mean, they have changed the rules so many times and there are so many rules. So many rules. But if you own the league, if you invented the game, you could change it. You could, you could alter it. God owns the game. He makes the rules. If God really is God, then I have to find out, God, what are your rules? Because I want to be able to play the game. I want to be able to win. What are the rules? And God says, here's the rule. Jesus is the way. If you want to get here, you got to go through Jesus. you got to believe in Jesus. you got to receive Jesus. That's the rules. Well, what if I don't want to receive Jesus? What if I just want to be a good person? Well, that's not how we play the game. Doesn't help to be a good person. No, no, no. You gotta believe in Jesus. You can be a bad person. You can be a good person. Believe in Jesus. Receive His sacrifice on your way to heaven. That's the rules. Well, that sounds a little too simple to me. I think I like it a little bit more complex. Well, I made up the rules. That's the way the rules are. Believe in Jesus. Receive the work of Jesus. Receive His righteousness. That's it. But see, a lot of people say, well, I don't like those rules. I think that God ought to let anybody in, no matter what God they worship, as long as they're sincere, they ought to be let in. Wrong. That's not how God does it. Verse uh, 15 of John chapter 21. As we continue to follow Him, there should be growth along the way. You should be growing. We should be becoming more like our Master, more like Jesus. What was a challenge before, it shouldn't be a challenge anymore. You ought to be able to grow from that. Verse 15 of John 21. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, if you've been here for a while, you know, we've taught on this before. This is not a surprise to you, but most people, they have a different understanding of this. They think because people have taught it, people in the church, people educated in the things of the church, people educated on the things of the Bible teach this and it is as brainless as, as they come. That Jesus said to him three times this command because Peter denied Jesus three times. Boy, is that ever a condemning God. That is not what he did. And in fact, in the English, what you have is Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, you know that I love you. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, you know that I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Why does he say the third time he was grieved? Because he said to him, do you love me? Because we're reading in English. The Bible was not written in English. It was written in Greek. And I like Greek better than English. It is far superior. This is what Jesus actually said. 
It's not in the translation. It should be. You could put it in there. It's simply this. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me with a type of love that is called agape love? Peter, do you agape me? Peter says to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. I love you like a brother. I'm not at that agape level yet, but I love you like a brother. Jesus says to him the second time, Peter, do you agape me? Peter says, Lord, you know, I love you like a brother. I phileo you. The third time Jesus said, Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter was grieved because the third time he said to him, do you phileo me? And he said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I phileo you. All three times he gave him a different command of what he was to do. But that's why he said it that way. Peter, do you love me? You see, you get the wrong explanation on that. You come up with a different understanding. It will cause confusion. And you think that God is there holding your past up on you. You failed me three times. I'm going to ask you this three times. That is a wrong view of your God. That is not how he does things. But that is what is taught in some places. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. Peter, we know from history, we don't know from the Bible accounts, but we know from history that Peter was crucified and that's how he was killed. That's what Jesus was talking about. This is how you will die. It is said in history that Peter said, I am not worthy to die the way that my Savior died. And so it is said that he was hung on a cross upside down because he did not feel to be worthy to die the way that the Savior did. First time Jesus said to him, you're going to deny me. Now he says, not only are you not going to deny me, you're going to go to the cross and die. Verse 20, then Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following him who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Now, this is John writing. In case you're wondering, that's John. John calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. I'm sure nobody can relate to that. Have you ever, if you grow up in a family of, of a couple of people, have you ever called yourself the favorite child? <laughs> you ever going around and say, well, I'm the favorite. This is, what, this is what John's doing. I know there's 12 of us, but I'm the favorite one. I'm the one that he really loves. And he writes about it. Remind everybody all the time. The disciple that Jesus loved. Peter, you get that? That's me. And Peter turned around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Why does Peter look at John and ask about him? Well, Jesus just spoke some things about Peter. Peter spoke up. Then he spoke some things. Now, before, Jesus didn't say nothing about John. He just said, you're going to deny me three times. So now, he has spoken about his death. And so he says, what about this guy? How's he going to die? That's really what he's asking. How's he going to die? All right, that's how I'm going to die. How's he going to die? Because that's what he's expecting. And he says to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. 
This is the problem that so many Christians come into. That we're always comparing ourselves to other Christians. I'm always comparing myself to other people. Look at how they are. I think I follow God far better than that one over there. How come they got healed? How come they got a new job? How come they got a new car? What about me? Look at the things I've been doing. Look at how faithful I've been for God. Peter, he's over there. He's looking at John. What about this guy? There are things we hang on to that bring us to look at others different than we should. We think, I don't deserve something. Well, I'm sorry, I deserve something I don't have. How many have ever looked at your life and say, I don't have this, but I deserve it? Nobody here, right? We've never, no. We've never been at the job and realized that we don't get paid as much as everybody else, but we say, that's okay. I deserve exactly the pay that I get. No, we don't do that, do we? We look at our job and we say, I should get paid at least as much as this person. I deserve something I don't have. I don't deserve what I'm getting. How many have ever made this statement? I don't deserve this. Why? Because I'm getting something and I don't think I deserve it. I think that person over there, they ought to get it. Not me. And so I begin to look at other people. I want something I think others have. I don't know that they have it, but I think they might. Have you ever been on a job and think that somebody else got paid more than you? Somebody else got a bonus and you didn't? I want something that I think others have. I don't want something I think others are free of. Well, I don't want this. They don't have to carry that around. Why do I have to carry Why do I have this? I don't want this. Basically, I covet what does or seems to belong to others. Or, at least, it's not mine. God's plans for others are not my concern. What God plans for other people, it is not your concern. Don't be concerned. That's what Jesus is saying to him. Peter, you follow me. Stop being concerned with all the other people. Now, now get this. Wives, stop being concerned with how your husbands are living. Yeah, but they're my husband. Husbands, stop being concerned with how your wives are living. Just brush your hands back. God, she's your daughter. She's your daughter. Mm-mm. We get so concerned about other people. We're always trying to be out there and, and well, I gotta fix it. I gotta correct this. I gotta do this over here. You can give your opinion on something. Well, I don't think you ought to do it that way. And if they want to go ahead and do it that way, all right. Go ahead. God's plans for others, they are not my concern. God is not as open to sharing His plans for other people as some make them out to be. I hear Christians all the time, they're going around and saying, well, God told me this about you. God does not meddle in other people's business for your life, in your life. He doesn't go around saying, shh, did you see what they did? Ah, oh, I couldn't believe it. No, that's not what God does. Familiar spirits do that. There's a whole lot of Christians that go around this world trying to pass off being super spiritual. They are only tapped into familiar spirits and you can easily tell that by the things they know. They can't figure out the plans of God, but they can tell you what you ate for breakfast. They can tell you so-and-so is pregnant. 
They can tell you stuff like that, but they can't tell you the plans of God. That's not godly. Don't listen to people like that. I laugh at them. They want to come up to me and tell me stuff like that. Um, I make them feel uncomfortable. They don't usually do it to me anymore. He deals with us with what He speaks to us. You cannot hide behind the obedience or disobedience of another. God sees you. Verse 23, This saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? This is the, not the first occurrence, but this is certainly an occurrence of false news. It's not new. not a new thing today. This is false news. Jesus didn't say it, but people are reporting that Jesus said he's not going to die. He didn't say he's not going to die. He said, if I desire that he remains until I come. Now, John's life didn't help this out at all because they tried to kill John. They actually, the, the history tells us that they lowered him in boiling oil, but he came out. He came out alive. So they said, all right, if we can't kill him, then we'll put him on the island. So they put him on the island of Patmos and they isolated him out there. Because they couldn't kill him. And he lived to 80 some years old, I believe it was. He was the elder statesman of the church in the day. And so the rumor came out, well, he's not going to die. Just watch for John. When John dies or when we're getting ready to go, Jesus is coming. Jesus didn't say that. But people said it. A whole lot of people out there saying things that Jesus said or taking things from what Jesus said. And it's not true. This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. What God wills for another or does through them has no bearing on you and your ability to follow. How God deals with me does not change how He deals with you. One of the signs of maturity is the ability to not let, not let what goes on with others affect your spiritual walk. You can practice this on your job. Stop letting what goes on with other people on your job affect you and your job. Practice not letting it affect you. Practice not letting your spouse's bad mood affect you. Practice it. Well, that's a little bit too tough. Practice when your spouse is in a bad mood, don't follow them. When your kids are in a bad mood, don't follow them. Practice it. Practice not letting other people affect your walk. It will have spiritual implications. It will help you spiritually. Let's wrap it up here with this. We've all been called to follow. Every single person here has been called to follow. What we are called to leave will differ. What God calls you to leave will differ from what He tells somebody else to leave. Now what He's it's not always places. Sometimes we get the idea, well, God wants me to leave. That means I gotta leave this place. I gotta go to some other place. No, it could be stuff. It could be possessions. It could be money. It could be attitudes or beliefs. God may be saying, you need to leave that attitude behind. Come on, you said that as a parent. How many moms here have told their child, go upstairs and don't come down until you're ready to leave that attitude up there? Something along those lines. Could be disappointments. Could be letdowns. Could be bitterness. It could be anger. Could be heartbreak. Could be blame. All these things, things that will hinder you. You need to be able to let them, let them go. When Jesus says, follow me, he means, I need you to leave that anger behind. 
I need you to leave that heartbreak behind. Leave it behind. You don't need to carry it with you. Follow me. Peter, John, James, Andrew, they left their fishing stuff behind. Matthew, he left his tax service behind. Each of those disciples left something behind. The rich young ruler said, was said, leave behind your riches. And he didn't want to do it. He, he held on to it. He stayed with it. If you hang on to them, it will hurt you the same way it hurt him. Do you see others that are healed, but you're not healed? That can get to be bitter and get you to be angry. The enemy tells us things that will keep us in bondage, but they aren't true. You've got to get out there. You've got to discover them. You've got to find out what are the things the enemy has told you. What are the things the enemy has whispered into your ear? What are the things the enemy has sold you on that are keeping you in bondage? When God says, follow me, he wants you to leave them behind. When you do, you will walk in the freedom that you desire. Early in your journey, that call to follow is a whole lot easier than it is later on when some things happen that cause confusion. And later on in the end, when there's supposed to be more maturity on your part, more things to help you out, more things to get you by. If you're here today, maybe you've already answered the call to follow him. Glory to God, you answered that call. But along the way, you may hit some things, some roads, snags, and it may cause you some confusion. Stay in the Word. This is one of the reasons why every single Sunday we dig into the Word. Because the Word is what gives us the light. My opinions don't really make any difference. But what the Word says, that's what makes the difference. If I have the light of the Word, and the light of the Word shines on the thing that is causing confusion, I can figure it out. And if I'm not confused, I won't get in bondage. Would you all stand up with me? Today is our communion Sunday. Our rushers are going to be passing the communion amongst along. Here in this, in this, every church is a little bit different in the way they do communion. I understand that. If you are born again, receive Jesus as your Savior, I don't care where you received Jesus as your Savior, and I don't care how long ago it was that you were born again, and I don't care where it was, or what kind of a prayer you said. If you received Jesus as your Savior, we want you to enjoy communion with us here this morning. If you have not received Jesus as your Savior, boy, it's a really easy thing to do. The call is out there. Follow Him. Follow Him. All heaven rejoices when we follow Him. If you want to change the things that are going on in your life, thank you, sir. You can. But it starts with following Him. All we need to do is follow when we follow, I don't have to necessarily know all the things of what's ahead because I'm following. And when he makes a left, I make a left. When he makes a right, I make a right. I don't always ask the questions, why are we making the right here? I'm following. And he explains things. He enlightens me along the way. We want you to be enlightened. We want you to, to receive that light. Every head bowed.
you're here today and you have not received that call to follow after Jesus, we want you to make sure that you can do that here today. Raise your hand up and just answer to, to Jesus. I will follow you. If you have answered the call in the past and said, I will follow him, but confusion has come in and it's caused you to divert from that path. Get back on the path. Follow after him. And just raise your hand up and say, Father, I am following you. Head off the path, but I'm following you. You can change your path. You can get back on the way that you're supposed to go. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, Gospels break it down real good for us. Before supper happened, before they they set out to eat, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this represents my body, which is broken for you. This represents my body. The blood of Jesus Christ is what cleanses us from sin. It is what paid the ransom price. It is what made us right with God. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that did it, not the body. It is the blood. There is nothing to be added to the blood. The blood is sufficient. But he started off, he said, my body is broken for you because Jesus is the healer. And on his body, the word of God tells us, was put our sicknesses, our disease. Upon him was laid our infirmities. That by his stripes, we are healed. The stripes that Jesus took on his body is what brought healing for us. So that we can be free from sickness and disease. And we can be free from those things. Because of not what we do, but because of what Jesus did. So he said, do this in remembrance of me, because he knew we would forget. So he separated it and put a whole meal in between. Here is the bread that represents the body, the healing of the body. Here at the end of supper is the blood that represents the forgiveness, the restoration to God. Notice that the healing came first, the blood came second. You do not have to get saved in order to get healed. Jesus healed many a person that was not saved. The devil tries to get you to qualify. Well, you got to be good enough first. Well, you got to stop doing this. You got to quit doing these things over here and then you can get healed. No, go through the Gospels. There's 19 different accounts of people being healed and Jesus does not qualify a single one to say, do you believe? Because at the beginning of supper, he broke out the bread. This represents my body, which is broken for you. Apart from redemption, you can be healed if you will believe in the body of Jesus Christ. As we eat together, let's remember what Jesus' body did for us. Let's eat together. At the end of supper, whole meal in between he took the cup this represents the blood of the new covenant the blood of the old covenant was bulls and goats and sheep and that only covered up sin but Jesus 
blood was going to be poured on the altar of heaven. And it was going to make forever restoration for us. This is the blood of Jesus. He said the new covenant. We are in the new covenant. And his blood has paid the price. Redeemed us, washed us clean so that the Holy Spirit can now reside on the inside of us. When we drink together, just remember the work that Jesus did in the blood. time on that because I want you to make sure you understand what communion is. Don't just go through it. Understand what it is. If you're here today and you need healing in your body, healing is yours. I want you to receive that. Come on up here to the front if you would like healing in your body. We will lay hands on you. It's the word of God in the city. God, aren't you glad you don't have to qualify for this stuff? All you need to do is believe and receive. Just believe and receive. Come on over here. What we pray In the name of Jesus, sickness and disease, you have to go. Not by our authority, but by the authority of Jesus Christ that he has bestowed on us. In Jesus' name, sickness and disease, you have to go and get out of this body. This is the temple of Jesus. In the temple, nothing unholy can dwell. In Jesus' name, we are healed. What are we looking at? Glory to God, Father. There was nothing in the word of God that was too hard. Jesus healed many times in the meetings all that came because there is nothing too hard for our God and we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, healing power going into each of these tendons, into each of these joints, healing power. Counteract what this body is trying to, to get corrupted to do. In Jesus' name, it is restored and it is returned Word God made. Glory to God. Father, I thank you for your power that is going on. In the name of Jesus. Mind you are clear. You are able to process and to retain everything that has gone on in the past. Everything that will happen in the future. And everything that she has learned in the name of Jesus. Her mind is clear. We receive that, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It doesn't take long to pray. you all to, to experience all the joys, all the things that God has for us. And I hope that you do. It's good to have you here today. So glad it was a much, much nicer and warmer day. Tomorrow I've got a special treat for you. And I was, I was telling some people before service, I made a, a, a grave error in that uh, we've been posting teachings on Monday morning. How many have listened to the Monday morning teaching? Monday morning we post them and somewhere kind of in the week I'll get to listen to them. And I thought I had posted a lot more of this than I, than I did. But I went back to compare this to make sure that I wasn't duplicating anything. And I couldn't find one for a while. I have been neglectful in giving you Brother Fred Price teaching. 
I don't know how I could do that because I, I was telling somebody beforehand. I could live my Christian life out on nothing but Fred Price and Kenneth Hagin. I would be thrilled. I'd be I, just those two guys. They're very different. They're very different, and they're, they teach a lot of the same topic. Very different in their approach, and I and I love that. But I was out running yesterday, and I said today is a Fred Price day, and so I loaded three different, three or four different Fred Price teachings because I go through a lot of them on one run. So I loaded them up, and I was listening to this one. I said, "Oh, this is so good! Oh, I'm going to post this on Monday. I'm going to put this out there on Monday." And then the next one came up. Oh, this is so good! Oh, oh, we got to put this one out there. So that's the one I'm going with. <laughs> I have not heard a bad Fred Price teaching ever. Oh, I just love every time that he gets into the Word of God. Love his uh, his approach to it. Love his enthusiasm. This is old Fred Price. I love old Fred Price. Not, I mean, old like, and this is back in the 70s, I think, is when he was uh, teaching this somewhere. It was, it was a while ago. There are many times that people in the church here, they ask us to pray for situations that are going on. Relatives that, need, that, that are sick, relatives that uh, need a touch in some way, or themselves. And so was, we'll say this very often. How many people have ever said this? I'm praying for you. But then you're not really sure how to pray. How do we pray for somebody in that situation? Do I, do they say, and sometimes they, they say, well, continue to pray. I get that request a lot. You don't get to see all those, but I get requests a lot of times, continue to pray. And so a lot of times I'm calling them up on the phone. I'm writing long texts, trying to explain things to them. Brother Fred Price will break this down so simply. You cannot misunderstand it is impossible for you to listen to this teaching tomorrow and misunderstand what is going on let's this this is a little deceptive the title of it has the number five as if then there's one two three and four and this is the fifth one i don't know where the other four are if there were i would find them and put them up there but this is just dynamite stuff he is going to teach you from the word how to continue in prayer. He's going to talk about that that uh, story where the woman goes, oh, I'm sorry, the neighbor goes to the neighbor to ask for bread. Oh, I tell you what, you're going to love what the teaching that comes from there. Don't miss this. Don't miss any of them. But this one you will love. If you have, how many have never heard Brother Fred Price? Anybody ever heard? I don't, okay. Oh, so he is just, he had the uh, Crenshaw Christian Center out in California. That was the uh, church that he pastored, and he just uh, went home to be with the Lord uh, last year, I think it was. I think it was last year. Uh, I miss him terribly. But uh, we're going to put this teaching on out there. It'll show up at 11 o'clock on the Facebook page, or you can get our text messages. I send it out on text messages as well. There's a list of people for that. So if you don't want to find it on Facebook or don't want to miss it, uh, just make sure that uh, you know. Put me on that text list. I'll put you on the text list, and you get that every every Monday at... 11 o'clock. That's going to come on out tomorrow. Don't miss this teaching. This will help you in things when you're praying. How do you pray for yourself? Do I keep coming to God? I don't have it yet. How many have ever said, I don't have the thing I'm asking for. What? How do I pray? Do I come to God and ask for Him again? Do I come and just praise Him? For, what am I supposed to do? I don't have it yet. He drills with that question so masterfully. Don't miss this teaching. It won't take you more than an hour to get through it. But you will thoroughly enjoy it. And Wednesday night, I am so glad to be back into our normal schedule. We have our 
uh, Wednesday night service coming back up here on, on uh, this Wednesday. We're back into the book of Ezra and taking a look at, at things because...